2: Good morning and welcome into Fizz Radio everyone. Jaron May here with Matt Bonaparte. Thank you so much for spending your Saturday morning with us here on The Score 1260 from 9 to 10 a.m. We have a jam-packed show, a lot to get to. We're going to start with Bayheim's Army, why they faltered in the TBT this year and what changes they could make going forward to be able to make a deeper run in future years. Then we'll talk about what the ACC is thinking about for a football season. There's one idea that they're trying to figure out right now we'll break all of that down and then we'll be talking to tony pauline he will be giving us basically a breakdown of andre cisco as an nfl prospect because hey cisco might have already played his last snap for syracuse but we'll talk about that later and of course we'll get to your fizz feedback but before we get to all of that let's first start with Beheim's army matt um they faltered a lot this year. They didn't really look too good, and there was a higher level of talent, but you can't really put that too much because they were the number three seed. They should have been able to make a deeper run, and they got bounced in their second game. Just not that great of a performance for Beheim's Army this season.
0: Yeah, a couple years in a row now, the problem has been big men not getting the job done. Dante Green was the biggest name. That was a big man on this team, and he just wasn't enough to get by sideline cancer. Uh, Tyler Lydon and Chris McCullough were slated to play for the team this year, which was going to be a huge addition for this Bayheim's Army team, but they opted out uh, basically at the last minute, which was a huge, huge detriment to the roster. Um, getting a really good big man on that squad would go a long way for these guys.
2: I I agree. Um, and I think that's the change that they need to make in the future, but what, what goes on in my head is the, what if, what if Lydon and McCullough were there, would they have been able to make it? Is that enough? Or do they need to add someone even after those two? So hopefully you can still have Tyler Lydon and Chris McCullough, uh, join the team next year because they're two really good talents. And they're also two big men. I mean, They're kind of stretch forwards, but still, they're big men. Um, And if you add them, can you win it all? Or do you need to add someone like Rakeem Christmas, who's a true center, a tall guy, and someone that could actually change the game and be able to uh, box out, grab rebounds, do exactly what you need to be done
0: down low? Well, here's my thing. This team is the third seed for a reason. They have an incredible amount of talent. They've got John Gillen, Eric Devendorf, Malachi Richardson this year. A lot of guys who played at Syracuse and were incredible and went on to have professional careers, whether that be in the NBA or other places that were successful. The, there's a reason that the, they're ranked so highly is because they do have a lot of guys who are very good. But when it does come to that big man department, I think having Tyler Lydon and Chris McCullough would have been a huge, huge upside for them and I I do think that that could have gotten them to the championship game uh just having to rely on a couple guys is is always going to be difficult Demetrius Nichols and Dante Green kind of got the entire load and it just kind of it got tedious because once Dante Green started playing poorly there was really nobody else you could turn to so he started missing his shots stopped stopped grabbing rebounds missing threes it just The offense was out of whack, and there was nobody they could turn to to stretch the floor or to rely on to grab a rebound if Dante wasn't playing well.
2: Well, Dante Dante didn't play well in either game. I mean, the first game against Men of Mackey, I think he put up maybe 16 points in the mid-teens, somewhere around there, but the thing is... He only did that because he shot 100 shots. You're going to get some to fall if you shoot that many times. And he was taking step back, fade away, corner threes. He's just not that type of player. So, Dante Green, I, I think Dante Green was the sole reason why they faltered and were not that great this year because he was just selfish, Uh, and then he wasn't – I mean, yes, he's not the best big man that you can have out of Syracuse alumni, but he just wasn't doing that much um, down low, especially in their game against Sideline Cancer when they lost. Um, But, I mean, Dante Green, you can still keep him on the roster. You just got to be able to add size around him so that he doesn't have to be the one and only big man that you have.
0: Yeah, he definitely isn't the first guy I think of when I think about big men, Syracuse alumni. Obviously, I mean, he was good at Syracuse, just played one year in in 07, 08. He had near 18 points a game. Rebounding was good, seven rebounds a game. But there's so many other guys you can think of. We already mentioned Rakeem Christmas who would probably do such a a better job. Um, But yeah, I mean, a big man really would have gone a long way for these guys.
2: Jaron May here with Matt Bonaparte on Fizz Radio. Thank you so much for spending your Saturday morning with us. Also go give us a follow on Twitter at OrangeFizz. Um, Matt's also, let's talk about how they can improve in the future. We've talked about adding, um, a big man. I want to bring up an idea that might be a little taboo to our listeners, but I'm just going to throw it out there. Will Raymond was on the squad this year and he was only on the squad because McCullough and Leiden uh, fell through at the last second. They opted out because of health reasons. Um, so then they added Will Raymond, who of course is from Colgate. He played against Syracuse this past season. His really good talent was all Cole, uh all Lee all Patriot League um, defensive team one of the best scorers in Colgate history uh, i let let me just see your reaction when I say this. What if beheim's army in the future adds players like will Raymond that are really talented that aren't Syracuse alumni
0: i I don't know if it's the worst idea, but I don't think it'll happen regardless because I think some of the, the fun of watching it is getting to watch your favorite Syracuse players play on the court again. I mean, the I love being able to watch Devo play and be awesome because he's so awesome. But, I mean, having to watch – I mean, that, that might help them to wins, but if they're if you're not going to be able to watch your old Syracuse players do it, why is it even called Bayheim's Army?
2: Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's a good point.
0: Did you dislike having Will Raymond on the team this year? I didn't dislike it, but I also was like, who is that guy? Like, when I was watching the game, I was like, I don't know who that guy is. And then I was like, oh, that's Will Raymond. That's the one guy who's not from Syracuse. And I was like, I have no attachment to him. (laughs) Like, to all the other players on the court, when, when Malachi Richardson gets the ball, I think of all the great things Malachi Richardson did and how he left too early. When John Gillen gets the ball, I think of his shot. When Andrew White gets the ball, I think of all the wins he brought the team to. But you know, when Will Raymond got the ball, I was like, that guy, I have no idea who that guy is. Like, there's no fun in that.
2: Yeah. Uh, okay. I personally, I mean, maybe I th- i think you're right. And I think the staunch uh, Syracuse fans will tend to agree with you uh, because they want to see their players. But if you're trying to put together a championship caliber team and beat a team like sideline cancer, who really showed out this year, or overseas elite um, you might have to then look at some outside players and try to get some really good talent because a lot of the talented Syracuse alumni just don't really want to play I mean when you think about it why didn't Rakeem Christmas play this year I mean I'm sure they reached out to him I'm sure that like they, they, they tried to get the biggest names out there for Syracuse alumni that aren't currently in the league and actually playing in the NBA. Like I, I'm sure they did that, and they maybe not are able to get those guys. So look outside of Syracuse and see if you can get some other talented players, a.k.a. a Will Raymond type, who comes in and tries to prove himself and is really, really high energy um, and basically diving on the floor for every single ball all the time. I, I was extremely impressed with Raymond um, during this year's TV
0: team. Well, when you talk about why Rakeem Christmas might not have played, I think we're in a different situation this year than any other due to the pandemic. Mm. Um, I think that definitely could have gone into his decision, but also he might've been living in a different country. I mean, he, he, he plays uh, for the basketball super league. He's not American basketball. Um, so I think that goes into other guys' decisions, whether they're actually in the country playing, uh, especially with the pandemic going on. If, they, if they're not in the country, they have to make travel plans that are a little bit more risky than usual. So that might have gone into why Ricky and Christmas didn't make an appearance this year. But I think that's definitely an interesting thought to have different guys on the team, because I do think that if they they went ahead and, and did that and start, started to build a roster out of guys who fit that system well and could play the 2-3 zone well and, and could work well in that offense – uh, they could definitely get a championship run going, but it would be a lot less fun for the fans to watch.
2: Jaron May here with Matt Bonaparte on Fizz Radio. Matt, before we take a quick break, I got one last question for you as we wrap up talk about Bayheim's Army. Jerry McNamara, do you think he ever plays for Bayheim's Army? Obviously, we would both like it to happen, but do you think it actually ever happens?
0: I mean, I'd love to watch GMAC just (laughs) launch threes from the logo like anybody else, but I don't think it'll ever happen. I mean, the guy's 36. He's he's old. I mean, I doubt doubt he's ever going to play again. Um,
2: He has said, he has said, and it's been asked, GMAC has said that he um, is too old to play in the TBT. But I just wanted to see maybe if uh, hopefully – he'll play. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. All right. Coming up here on Fizz Radio, the ACC thinks that they have a, well, reportedly thinks that they have a solution to be able to have a season this upcoming year amid the COVID-19 pandemic. We'll talk about that. Don't go anywhere. All right, back here on Fizz Radio with Jaron May and Matt Bonaparte. Thank you so much for spending your Saturday morning with us. We talked about Beheim's Army and what they can do to get better in the future, but now let's switch over to the football side of things. And the ACC thinks that they have a solution to be able to play football Amid the COVID-19 pandemic. I know it's a crazy idea. I'm not sure if it's actually going to happen, but let's at least go down this hypothetical road, Matt. So basically earlier this week, Joe Giglio of 99.9 FM, the fan uh, reported and some other outlets have also backed up this story. Basically the ACC is considering a home and home five different team situation. So, Right now, let me break it all down. There's 14 teams in the ACC. If you add Notre Dame in there, it's 15 teams. If you then separate it into groups of five, there's three groups that will play five games of home and home. So basically, um, Syracuse would only play Five other teams they wouldn 't play the entire ACC they wouldn 't uh, play their scheduled games right now. they would completely redo the schedule and basically, what the ACC is trying to do is cut down on the travel and try to mitigate the spread of the virus. It seems good on paper, but is it actual like is it in actuality because personally i 'm not a huge fan of it, and i 'll give my opinions after but i 'll let you take the floor first you like this idea?
0: Well, I suppose that playing conference games only limits the amount of teams that you have to travel to or play or whatnot. So, Syracuse won't have to go play uh, Liberty or Rutgers or anything like that. But, I mean, you're still going to have to interact with other teams. I mean, it's never going to be easy with the pandemic afoot. So, I mean, I think it's better than doing nothing, but I don't know if it's going to be all that effective when it really comes down to it and the season's about to start and you still have to go uh, interact with Clemson players who have been confirmed to get the habit. So it's- oh, yeah.
2: There's been like 37, I think, Clemson players that have tested positive. Um, my big thing is it doesn't fix the issue. The issue is you want to mitigate the amount of travel. And if you want to do that, then you play teams that are close to you, right? You don't want to get on a plane and have to go all the way down to Miami, the epicenter, Florida is the epicenter of this outbreak, of this second wave of COVID right now. That's not where you want to be. You don't want to play Clemson because they're testing positive left and right. That's not what you want. And I understand the ACC still is committed to those schools and still has to figure out a a solution for those schools so you got to do something, but this only ACC five game or five home and home situation is not going to fix it. I mean, the the real solution should be you only play teams in your geographical area. So you play, let's say, Notre Dame, uh, Boston College, um, name any other school that is closer to Syracuse rather than having to go all the way down to South Carolina to play Clemson. That's the solution, at least in my mind, that makes sense. And you bring up like the Rutgers and the Liberty, the out of league games. I get that they, I mean, yes, they have to play their ACC schedule because that's the most important part of their schedule, but both of those teams are closer than Clemson in Miami and Louisville and NC State in all of those situations.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's such an odd situation, but I mean I don't know if this I don't I don't know if the ACC looks at this uh, me, uh, amendment to the schedule and sees it as a, a solution, but it's definitely something new. Which is what we're after here. We're just trying to to tweak things and figure something out to try, uh, and still have football this fall because nobody wants to not have football this fall. Um, but as of right now, I agree with you, Jaron. I don't know if traveling to the teams that are down south—that's the weird part of being in the ACC when you're Syracuse—is you live basically in Canada and everybody else is in the south, yeah. so <laughs> it's just like you have to go there. Um, but I mean. It, it does eliminate like having to go to Western Michigan and uh, and some of those other teams on the schedule, but you still, like you said, you still have to go to Wake Forest or Clemson or Duke or any of those teams way down south. And I mean, I don't know if it's worth it because, like we said, the, a lot of those teams have had positives. So, what's the point in <laughs> just a a home and home with them? Like I don't. What's the point in that?
2: Yeah, it it, it doesn't make sense. It really doesn't. Um, But Jaron May here with Matt Bonaparte on Fizz Radio. Matt, now let's talk about – I mean, I think we both agree it's not the most logical solution, but I don't really think anything is logical at this point in COVID and no one knows really what to do. Um, So let's just play this hypothetical out and let's say they actually go to this five-team home-and-home situation that has been reported earlier this week. Does this help or hurt Syracuse? Because at least in my opinion, I think it hurts them because you can get the, the, the strength of this Syracuse team, which is kind of embarrassing to say for this upcoming season was their weakness of schedule, their weakness of schedule. I'm not even going to say their strength of schedule, their weakness of schedule <laughs> is just so bad. It was it was one of the easiest schedules in the entire country, and you could have easily snuck in two or three wins in their non-conference to be able to get to that six-win mark to be able to make it to a bowl. So I think it would have been really helpful to be able to play those non-conference and those lower teams like Rutgers, um, like Liberty that they shut out last year. I think that would have really helped. But now if this whole ACC situation happens – they're going to probably have to play, and they get pitted in the, the bad one, and they have to play, let's say, UNC twice, which is going to be a really good team this upcoming year, or they play Clemson twice, or they play Pitt twice, or they play Notre Dame twice. All of those games could be two losses right off the bat, and you don't get the chance to play those easier teams that you had on your schedule this
0: season. Yeah, we learned how uh, pessimistic I am about Syracuse football. <laughs> <laughs> And, it, I mean, like you said, Jaron, if you have to play Clemson twice and then also Notre Dame twice, four there's losses. your four. just right off the bat. You're not winning any of those games. It's just not happening. <laughs> so, you loo- if you're going to change schedule like this, which is definitely going to happen, you're going to lose the gimme wins on the schedule, which any mediocre football team, and even a lot of the powerhouse programs have on their schedule. Um, but they're more significant for Syracuse because they're not always give Um yeah. but if you're going to have to play really talented teams twice a year, that's not going to go well for you. I mean, that's all I got. I mean, you're not going to beat a Clemson once, regardless of twice, and you're not going to beat a Notre Dame once or twice. It's Not happening. We know
2: from last time, like you said, that you didn't think this team was going to win many of its uh, non-conference games, but they at least should have that opportunity because those games are the important ones. Like you said, um, I personally am a big believer that non-conference games really matter. And I think that this really, really hurts Syracuse. Um, But, I mean, we'll we'll see what happens. Jaron May here with Matt Bonaparte on Fizz Radio. Matt, before we take a break, let's just answer the question that's been floating around and trying to be answered for weeks and months now. Is there going to be a college football season? Like, is this ACC situation actually going to happen? Are they going to be able to play the 5-5 five and home-and-home five, um, home situation? Is it ever going to happen? I, personally, I'm a no, but, I mean, I, I'm kind of just a pessimist.
0: At this point, I I refuse to say no, so I say probably not, but, I mean – Football is something that every American. College football is something that everybody loves, so I, I don't. I don't see the SEC not finding a way to play football, uh, regardless of the ACC. Obviously, we're not talking about Syracuse right now, but yeah. But if
2: if if one Power Five conference does it, the other four are going to.
0: You think so? Yes. I don't know that. I I, I, could, I could totally see a situation where the Big Ten and the SEC and possibly the Big Twelve play, and the ACC don't.
2: Yeah, but then you're going to see an outcry from Notre Dame and Clemson who could have playoff aspirations, especially
0: Clemson. that might just – I mean, that's a conference-to-conference basis that that they're deciding upon. So, I mean, the SEC not playing – it takes so much for the SEC not to play football. And there's Alabama fans and LSU fans who really want to go see their teams and they'll do anything to see their teams. And to take that away from them is like literally, it's like a crime. So I just, I don't see, I mean, it takes, my point is it takes a lot. And I definitely think there's a lot of good minds going towards a solution right now. And it's still yet to be seen. I don't think I could say right now that it's not going to happen because I think there's a lot of people working on it right now that could make it happen. Um, But it's definitely doubtful as of right now.
2: All right. All right, well, we'll step aside. After the break, we have Tony Pauline, the chief NFL draft analyst and insider for Pro Football Network. We're going to be talking with him about Andre Sisco as an NFL prospect. Don't go anywhere. That's coming up next. Back here on Fizz Radio, Matt is taking a little breather, but don't worry. We have a guest, Tony Pauline, the chief NFL draft analyst and insider for Pro Football Network, has joined us on Fizz Radio. Tony, thanks so much for taking the time. Thanks for having me.
1: Sorry for uh, the delay on my part.
2: No worries. It should be a good conversation because we're going to talk about Andre Sisco. So the situation is maybe he played his last snap of football for Syracuse already because there might not be a college season, college football season this upcoming year. So if that happens, we want to evaluate Cisco as an NFL prospect. Before we get into that, though, Tony, I just want to ask the blanket question. Do you think that there is a football season for college athletes this year?
1: Absolutely. Uh, I I think there's no doubt about it. I think what's going to happen is it could be a regional uh, sort of situation where the ACC will have a season, whether Syracuse and Boston College participate in that season, remains to be seen Hmm. I think the ACC the SEC the Big Ten the Big 12 will play the Pac-12 may or may not play the Pac-12 may play may have their season start in January I I think it's going to be regional but I I think the major conferences will play I I think certain teams and certain states I, I mentioned Boston College I mentioned Syracuse You know, who knows what's going to happen with Rutgers if they're going to play, although I don't think they're really going to be missed, especially the way they've been playing lately. (laughs) Same thing with UConn, uh, which would be even less of a a loss. (laughs) I, I think some of those, you know, some of the teams in those states, you know, will have to wait and see. I absolutely think there's going to be a college season. It may be abbreviated, it may be only nine or 10 games where teams play in conference. It may start a little bit later than usual but I think there's going to be a season.
2: Okay. All right. I like that positive outlook right there. Um, again, Tony Pauline of Pro Football Network joining us here on Fizz Radio. Tony, before we get into Andre Sisco and some of his specific um, attributes of being, for being an NFL prospect, as a draft analyst like yourself, what do you look for in a safety prospect?
1: Athleticism. A guy that can do more than just play downhill and straight ahead. I like to see guys that can cover a lot of ground in a good amount of area quickly, especially sideline to sideline. Someone that can get out to the flanks and help out the cornerbacks and coverage. Someone that's not going to be a liability if he's placed over the slot receiver. You obviously, you know, you want to see more than someone who just hits the ball carrier hard. You want to see someone who. Has got solid ball skills, can make plays when the ball is in the air. Obviously, the instincts are important. You know, you want to be more than just an athlete out on the football field uh, running around like a chicken with no head. You've got to be able to understand what's happening, be able to read and anticipate the action, especially on the college level, because what happens on the college level, especially with defensive backs, is oftentimes these guys rely on their athleticism and their ability to make up with their speed and their burst for faults uh, to, to make plays and make tackles, which goes over very easily and very quickly on Saturday. But if you try and do that on Sunday, you're going to get burnt.
2: Okay. All right, so a lot of things to be looking for in a defensive back. Andre Sisco, at least in many rights, has a lot of those attributes, and he has some accolades to back it up, all-American, preseason, after last season. He has a lot of those accolades. So when you look at him, and I I know you have a piece out there on your website, profootballnetwork.com, if you want to go check that out, you evaluate him as a prospect – What are some of Cisco's strengths and weaknesses looking forward to the NFL?
1: He's very explosive. Uh, He's a guy who flashes on the scene out of nowhere to make plays on the ball handler. He seems relatively instinctive. He's got a good feel for the position. He has a great physicality to his game. He's not afraid to sacrifice his body to make plays. He doesn't have mental lapses on the field. You don't see him doing what I just said having to make up for mental mistakes with his sheer speed and athleticism, consistently puts himself in the right place to make plays on the ball handler, whether it's against the run, whether it's against the pass. I don't know that he's got great ball skills. I know he's got some gaudy stats uh, from a year ago. I I think a lot of that was opportunism. I do think he needs to improve his his ball skills a little bit. They're not bad, but you just like to see him uh, improve a little bit. I'm very interested to see what his actual height and weight are. I know he comes in about, he's listed about five ten and a half, two hundred and five 205 pounds. He looks a little bit smaller than that. And that's not a problem these days. I, I mean, usually in the past, you'd want your safety to be over six foot tall, over 205 pounds. Now more and more in your defensive back seven in the NFL, at the linebacker position, at the safety position, at every position except for the cornerback, More more and more teams are accepting the smaller, sleeker guys who can get from point A to point B very quickly, and that's exactly what Cisco does and does very well.
2: Tony Pauline of Pro Football Network joining us here on Fizz Radio. Tony, how does Cisco stack up compared to some of the other DBs in this upcoming class of 2021?
1: Well, I mean, you got to wait and see because you, you don't know uh, which underclassmen are obviously going to uh, enter. And he still is, a, is an underclassman, although we expect him to enter. Right. Uh, and some scouts have already given him a second-round grade. You, you know, the, the thing is this. When you say DBs, your cornerbacks are always going to take priority. Your cornerbacks like the Sean Wades out of Ohio State, the Patrick Sertain's out of Alabama, Ambry Thomas out of uh, Michigan. But I I think it's safe to say that Cisco is going to be top three as far as your pure safeties are concerned. Michigan State has a player by the name of Xavier Henderson, also an underclassman. I happen to like Richie Grant out of Central Florida a bit. But Cisco's right in there with that group. I think Cisco is a top three safety. I don't know that he's going to be a first round pick. Scouts grade him as a second rounder. I have him a little bit further down the line. Primarily because with the underclassmen, I want to see what their actual measurements are. And I also want to see some improvement in their game.
2: So how far down that line, third round, fourth round, do you think he drops even farther?
1: No, I have him right now as a third rounder. I don't think he gets out of the second day of the draft. I could see him going top 45. If hopefully he has a season, he plays well in the season. More importantly, he tests well in the lead-up to the 2021 draft. Not just the 40 time, but when you're looking at uh, safeties, you're looking at shuttle times, you're looking at three-cone times because of the change in direction, and, of course, the position drills. People talk about the 40 and the vertical jump at the combine all the time. Now those position drills, especially for a safety, are very important.
2: When you talk about those drills in just a pro day in general, what do scouts really – look for, or or rather, what has more weight? the, The pro day in the combine or more of what you show on the field in an actual season?
1: That's a good question. And there's no one single answer to that. Because what happens is this, you have to remember, during the season, it's the scouts that are out on the road. They're out in Syracuse. They're at practice, watching mm-hmm. practice, they're at the games. And then when you get into the pre combine, when you get into the pre-draft process, the combine, the pro days, all of a sudden the head coaches for the teams get involved. And the head coaches, you know, haven't watched Andre Sisco on film the past two years. They haven't been as close to Andre Sisco as many of the scouts have been. Uh, you know, they may interview him for 15 minutes at the combine. If he's one of these guys that is going to be an early graduate and gets an invitation to the senior bowl, that'll be more face time with him. Uh, you know, it, it depends because sometimes the uh, the coaching staff will have more weight in certain way in certain war rooms than say the scouting department and the general manager and the scouting department's uh, opinions of a player may be pushed aside a bit. I think they're both equally important. The fact is this, the game film is absolutely important. But if a safety or any defensive back has great game film and then he tests and he runs in the four sixes or something like that, or he's got a bad medical or something like that, he's going to drop like a rock.
2: Gotcha. Uh, Tony Pauline of Pro Football Network, again, joining us here on Fizz Radio. Tony, before I let you go, do the accolades matter to a scout does all the preseason or the postseason and all the titles that a player can get like andre cisco has does that really get in the head of a scout and does that really have any weight
1: not really i i mean it's 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 nice on the fringe you know it's the whipped cream on top of the cake if you will (laughs) it's nice to see that but you know you, you, the people in the war room are not saying we're going to draft this guy because he was an All-American three years in a row or he was all-conference three years in a row. They're going to draft him because he's a good football player. They think he's got upside. They think he's going to be a starter, and they think he's a good fit for their, uh, for their system.
2: That makes sense. Uh, actually, I, I have one more really quick. If you could choose a, a team that needs a safety like Andre Sisco in the NFL, what Ooh. team or two teams kind of stand out as possible suitors? Uh,
1: that, that's a tough one at this point because <laughs> I really, uh, I, I, you know, ask me that again uh, next March. Okay. I really, right. can't, uh, really can't, uh, I can't give you a competent answer on that one. I'm not just going to pull it out of the air.
2: Right. All right. That makes sense. Uh, That's Tony Pauline of Pro Football Network. Go check out his work at profootballnetwork.com and by following him on Twitter at Tony Pauline. Tony, thanks so much for taking the time. Thanks for having me. All right, Tony joins us here on Fizz Radio, but don't go anywhere. We're going to take a quick break and then be back with your Fizz feedback. Wrapping it up here on Fizz Radio, Jaron May and Matt Bonaparte. It is time for Fizz Feedback, your favorite segment, to wrap up the show every single Saturday morning. So these obviously are the polls that we put out on Twitter to get our fans' opinions, and we have three this week. Let's start with the first one, and this is how we started the show as well. It's about Beheim's Army and how they can improve in the future. The question that was posed is – who should Beheim's Army add to the roster next year to make a deeper run? The options, Johnny Flynn, Jerry McNamara, Rakeem Christmas, or Andy Roudins. Uh, let me first get your opinion, Matt. Who do you, out of those four, who would you choose?
0: From those four, I think it's got to be Rakeem. But, I mean, as much as I'd like to see Johnny Flynn yamming, Uh, I think it just has to be Rakeem. His team needs a center and he is the guy to get it done. He's still under 30 years old. The guy's in the prime of his career. I think that he could really, really do well in this tournament. And I think that a presence down low that can get rebounds and and actually work the post like a real uh, basketball player would help them. (laughs) You know, I
2: completely agree with that. And I know we spent a lot of time on Fizz Radio already uh, talking about Rakeem Christmas and how, what he could bring to the table for Syracuse or for Bayheim's Army, rather, Syracuse's alumni team. Um, Johnny Flynn would be interesting. And I, I think that that would just add a lot of excitement to the team. Jerry McNamara would just be another lights-out shooter to add to that roster. But the thing is, they already have both of those things. I think Andy Rowdens is just a little too old. I know he's still currently playing. I think he's uh, low 30s, maybe 31 or 32. So he could play and he could be a big man for you kind of-ish. But Rakeem Christmas is the correct answer uh, because they have the shooting like that Jerry would add, which – no one compares to Jerry, but still um, Johnny Flynn would just be another great guard and they already have that. So you need the big man. You need Rakeem Christmas. And that's also who our fans say 57% of the vote goes to Rakeem Christmas. And then we also have a comment, which we always read out here on Fizz Radio. Micro uh, – Excuse me. Michael Leo says they needed a guy in the middle really bad this year. Dante tried hard, but he is a small forward, not a center. Syracuse zone is effective because of the length, and we didn't have any. I agree. I, I assume that you also agree, Matt.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's right. Dante did try his best, but he just, the, the shots weren't falling from distance for him, and his rebounding just wasn't there.
2: Yep. All right. Let's move on to the next Fizz feedback poll. This is about the ACC 5 and 5 home schedule that we talked about earlier. Uh, The question posed, let me read it out for you. The ACC is reportedly considering a five team home and home schedule of these hypothetical groupings. Which is the one you most want Syracuse to be in? So I just put some random teams together of the ACC and let's just i'll read them out and i'll let you choose all right bc Pitt, wake forest notre dame is the first grouping so that's kind of a northern group clemson georgia tech miami florida states that's more of a southern group so syracuse would be kind of the oddball out there uh virginia virginia tech duke unc Big rivals in that one. And then Notre Dame, Clemson, Louisville, Pitt. That's kind of the grouping from hell, as I would put it, because those are the best teams in the ACC. You could throw UNC in that one instead of Pitt, too, if you really wanted a grouping from hell. But of those four, would you rather take the Northern, the Southern, the rivals, or the grouping from hell, Matt?
0: I'd take BC, Pitt, Wake, and Notre Dame. I mean, just for geographical reasons. um, I think that, obviously – that's not an easy group by any means. You still have to face Notre Dame and Pitt, which are both – well, Pitt's not an incredible team, but they're both solid teams. Um, but just geographically, you wouldn't have to travel that much, and that's the, big, that's the best chance of actually having a football season. So for that, I'll take
2: that. Okay. Um, I went grouping from hell just because I would like to see Syracuse uh, try to play those teams. I think that they would get their butts whooped every single game, every single game. But it would still be really fun. It would be really fun. Um, I think the, the Orange would have their hands full. Uh, but maybe they could squeak out two wins against Pitt, maybe, because uh, those games are always close. Louisville could get a win. And then Notre Dame and Clemson, you probably don't. But, hey, three wins in a COVID year. <laughs> Sign me up. Uh, all right. We also have another comment, Michael Master Leo. Again, only 13% chose great. Oh, I didn't even say the winner. Let's get to the winner. You, the grouping that you chose, the northern grouping of Boston College, Pitt, Wake Forest, and Notre Dame, uh, got set 58% of the vote. Um, so a lot of people want to choose that northern group. Um second on the list would was the rivals group of Virginia, Virginia Tech Duke and UNC. And then Michael Masoleo commented only 13% shows great basketball over traditional rivalries with a question mark. So I think he's talking about that whole Virginia, Virginia Tech, Duke, UNC. That would be really good for basketball, but this isn't really what we're talking about. We're more focused on football. Um, this is the report for ACC football this year, not basketball. So let's keep moving here on Fizz Radio. Jaron May in that Bonaparte. We're doing your Fizz feedback, your Twitter polls. And we have one last one, and this is about what we talked about in the last segment, Andre Sisco. He might have already played his last snap for Syracuse because if there's no season, he's most definitely going to the NFL draft. Probably a top prospect. I would put him in the first round. Some people might not. But the question is, not including Andre Sisco, what Syracuse football player will be drafted the highest in 2021? So leave Cisco out of this one. The options, True Williams, Iffy Melifonwu, McKinley Williams, and Aaron Service. Matt, I personally chose Service because I think he's a workhorse. I think he could easily make an NFL roster, could be a blindside blocker, and work really well in the league. Um, but someone else got the most amount of votes, and I'll allow you to give your opinion first before we reveal that here on Fizz Radio.
0: Before I do that, I just want to say service would definitely be uh, a contender for that. It depends on how his career at Syracuse ends up in the next couple of years. Obviously, last season, he was stuck at center all year until he got finally slid over to the edge uh, and and showed that he's actually really, really good. Um, But I I think with a couple of of good years, he could make it there. But I said uh, Trill Williams. It's got to be Trill for me. Uh, I think that Trill is just one of the best athletes on this team. Uh, whether or not he's the best uh, player in that defense is up to you. But I think he's definitely one of the best athletes and one of the best NFL potential guys that Syracuse has. I think especially we saw it um, in his walk-off strip six against Wake Wake Forest Forest, uh, at the end of last season. I mean, the dude's just a freak. He did the same thing in high school. I remember a a video of him doing it was floating around that day. I mean, the guy, he, he, he wants, he wants to win. He's a good football player. He, he plays well in secondary. He can tackle. He's got all the skills. I think Trill Williams has got to be it. I, I like Iffy too. I think Iffy's also a freak of an athlete, uh, I think they could both be day two guys, but I think it's Trill for my money.
2: Okay. So Trill did win. He had 58% of the vote Um but the thing with those two, and you, you bring up Iffy too, I think both, like you said, can be NFL draftees, that's the correct word, um, but I think that they could both really benefit from another season, and I think that they need another season more than Aaron service. So let's just say there's no football season this year, which... Who knows how that impacts the draft. If there's no draft, if there is a draft, you just don't really have 2020 tape on these players. However, it shakes out. I think Aaron Service is better suited to be drafted right now because he has the body, he has the accolades. I mean, he was the only dude on that line last year that could actually block, that could actually keep uh, Tommy DeVito upright. So I think Aaron service has proved enough that he could make an NFL roster right now and could be drafted right now. I don't think Trill Williams and if he have shown enough, if they were to be drafted, I think they're a day three type of caliber player, um, but they could easily be catapulted into day two. If they have this season and can just show a little more for the real, uh, for these NFL prospects.
0: I agree. Uh, they, they definitely do need some more time, and they have that potential, but they just got to show it.
2: All right. Hey, well, this was a lot of fun. Thank you all so much for joining us here on Saturday morning on Fizz Radio. Jaron May and Matt Bonaparte signing off. We'll see you next week.